we decided we would talk about what was meant by the 144,000 of Revelation 7. Now before we plunge into that passage, I want you to backtrack with me and see something of what happens in heaven. And come with me to Revelation 5 and I want to set it up by reading from verse 2. Verse 1 had said, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen the seal." Right? So he heard from one of, the, one of the 24 elders around the throne. He heard what they said, Don't weep, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed and is, and is able to open the scroll, to take the scroll and to open the seals. So first he heard from that elder. This is what he heard. He heard a lion is able, a lion of the tribe of Judah. He said, and then I looked. So then he saw. So in heaven you first hear and then you see. And the importance of that is what you see is not what you hear, but they're the same thing. You must keep that principle in mind when we come to look at the 144,000 because you'll see the same device, that he hears and then he sees. And what he hears is one thing, what he sees, the manifestation of it, is completely different but it's the same thing because it's the symbol of the thing that you hear about. When you see the reality, it's what's described by the symbol, but the reality is always greater. But the thing about the symbol is it sets certain parameters and it connects to many other things in the Scriptures going forward. That's why things are not what they seem. You don't live by the five senses in heaven, you live by that which is revealed. So look, he said, So I heard the Lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and I looked, so he saw, and behold, in the midst of the throne 
and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders. So it's the throne, the four living creatures around the throne, the elders around the four living creatures. In the midst of them stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having eyes, seven eyes, uh, rather having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. So the seven horns and the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God and this illustrates the principle of how things are representational. Before I get to that, I hear the Lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy, I see the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb are the same. Now no one one will dispute that, no one who understands the Scriptures will dispute the Lion and the Lamb are the same. We don't really actually need an explanation as to why if you say the Lion you mean the Lamb, Um, although they're explanations. In the same way, things are symbolic. The Lamb with seven horns and seven eyes and these seven horns, seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. Well, how is that so? Well, because again, symbolic. When he talks about a lamb having horns, seven of them, the power of any beast is projected through its horns. A horned beast projects its power through the horn. And eyes are the vision, the way the the entity that has eyes sees. So the power and the vision of the Lamb define what the Spirit of God has come to do in the earth in seven manifestations. What He sees, He does, and He does what He sees. All right, now enough of that has been said, so let's go to chapter 7 and again pick up where we left off. We had gotten to where we read all the way through uh, in the last reading, we read through verse 9. And just to refresh your memory, and I won't do the whole reading again, but the four angels were keeping back the four winds, they were told by a fifth angel who came up not to harm the earth or the sea or the trees until the number of those who had been sealed had been, until that work of sealing had been done. And he said, and I heard the number of those who were sealed. He didn't see them, he heard just like he heard the Lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. He looks and he sees the Lamb and the Lion and the Lamb are the same. Now he hears the number of those who have been sealed and it's 144,000. And and the the great symbolism of that ought to be very obvious, 12 times 12 times 1,000. 12 times 12 is 144. 12 is the number of government, so 12 times 12 is a representation of a kingdom concept. 
and times a thousand, the word for thousand or the word thousand, meal, uh, used in, uh, in, in the scriptures, the Latin term for thousand, um, pardon me, is a term that reflects the highest number to which the ancients could count. And then everything was a multiple of a thousand, like a, th- a thousand times ten, th- a, a thousand times a thousand, and ten times, and ten thousand times ten thousand. So the, the concept is that of a, a large multitude of people governmentally arranged and they are referenced by the twelve tribes, twelve tribes of Israel, beginning with the tribe of Judah. Why would you begin with the tribe of Judah? Judah is the fourth son of, of, uh, of Jacob, Reuben is the first, Judah is the fourth. Why would you start with Judah? Because because this is a picture not of ancient Israel but of the house of God that's under the rule of the one whom Judah symbolizes. Now who would that be? That's of course the lion of the tribe of Judah. So all of this is about not only the disclosure of the lion who is the lamb, and again we could talk about how the way the Lamb overcomes is the same way we are supposed to overcome. The lion is the overcomer, but the manner of the overcoming of the lion is in the sacrifice and and the attitude of the Lamb in offering Himself as a sacrifice, which is why we are told, present your bodies living sacrifices. That's why we are the sun doulos, the fellow servants, or the fellow laborers, along with Christ. We overcome in Him, in, on account of how He has overcome, when we are patterned after Him first and foremost, we're in Him, and then our methodology and our way of life is like Him, then we are the sun doulos, the fellow servants of the Lamb. So this is the principle that is at work here. So of the tribe of Judah there was 12,000, of the tribe of Reuben 12,000, of the tribe of Gad and so on, all the way down through of the tribe of Joseph there were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Benjamin there were sealed 12,000. So I said to you at at the end of the last broadcast, The key lies in referring to the tribe of Joseph, as opposed to the reference to Ephraim. Ephraim. You'll notice Ephraim is not mentioned in the list of these, but Ephraim, and Joseph by the way, is not mentioned in the, in the, the tribes of Israel as recorded in, uh, in Exodus, uh, so, sorry, in uh, uh, Numbers, the second chapter, where the tribes of Israel 
are being brought out of Egyptian captivity. So let's go back to the book of Numbers and reference chapter 2 and if you read from verse 1 to through verse 25, you will see certain things in that book, in that reading that I want to call your attention to. This is how Israel was arranged to exit Egypt, alright? Before I get to that, let me finish the piece on I saw, I heard, and then I saw. So as we said before, I heard, verse 4 of Revelation 7, I heard the number of those who were sealed. So he heard, so then you expect him to see. And after the reading of the twelve tribes, and like I said, Joseph was the key to deciphering this, um, verse 9 says, After these things I looked and behold. So he saw, he heard, and then what he looked and beheld was this a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, by the way that would have been from uh, the fifth seal where they were given a white robe and the word robe there is the word stole, stole, except that it doesn't mean a wrap around the shoulders that a woman might wear, but instead it means a full-length garment such as would be worn by royalty, except that this wasn't purple, this was white. And we said that that is because the, the Lamb Himself, like those who are the bride of the Lamb, are dressed in white. So clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then of course all the four living creatures, but it brings it back up, the four living creatures, uh, verse 11, all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Blessings, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. And he said, uh, uh, then one of the elders, well I'll come to that. So as, as he's speaking here, You'll notice this, angels stood around the throne and around the elders, so outside the widest circle were the angels, inside that circle were elders, inside that circle are the four living creatures, and in the centre of the throne is the Lamb. This is the reverse vision from early on in the fourth and fifth chapters 
of the book of Revelation. So it's from the outside looking in, so John's scenes change. And then he will, uh, like I said, I'll come back and uh, we'll address the question of who are those arrayed in the white robes. But before that, I want to tie together very tightly uh, these two things, the 144,000 that he heard as the number of those who were sealed, when he looked what he saw was this innumerable company drawn from all the peoples of the earth and they are the same thing, just like the lion is announced and when you see, you see the lamb. You hear the lion, you see the lamb. You hear the 144,000, you see the innumerable multitude and they, like the lion and the lamb, are the same. So the 144,000 and uh, the countless multitude are the same. The piece that of course will wrap it all up is the one that I said I'll talk about going forward. But I wanted to take the time now to show you the connection that interprets it in that fashion as opposed to the folly of the Jehovah's Witnesses and other groups that say, hmm, these are only, there are only 144,000 people in, in heaven and, uh, um, and they, they come from the 12, the 12 tribes, uh, 12,000 from each tribe. So in effect, heaven is reserved for only 12,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes, totaling 144,000. Well, that's rubbish. Obviously, the 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, an intentional focus upon 12 times 12, 12 is the number of government, he's describing a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And we'll get right to that in the last piece of the reading. But let me show you a connection to these things uh, that will stun you. From the book of uh, um, Numbers chapter 2, which is where we were going, from verse 1 through verse 25, Israel is being arranged to be brought up out of Egypt. Egypt represents captivity like the earth represents that which oppresses the people of God. And particularly, particularly, this kingdom comprised of seven heads and ten horns that we saw before, whose ultimate intent is to oppress the saints for time, times and half a time. In a previous message we talked about how it's the, 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 the horn that speaks from one of the heads, one of the seven heads of the beast, who makes war against the saints. And we understood that to be a cultural war, a propaganda war, so to speak, where the popularity of what was being spoken by the beast and this blasphemous horn, or the mouth that speaks blasphemously, uh, was a, a, a direct warfare with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, and the attempt of God to draw people out of the kingdoms of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, to bring them into the kingdom of the Son of God. 
that in the end of the age this is going to be the hottest conflict will be the conflict of ideas, uh, conflict of identities even, as between those who belong to Christ and are of the kingdom of heaven and that which belongs to the systems of the world and how they're entrapped in those systems. But anyway, Israel was being formed up to be led out of Egyptian captivity in this manner. Now, uh, Numbers defines how they would be formed up. They're formed up in the following way, I've given you the reference so I'll tell you what the reference says, this being of course from the second chapter of Numbers. They're to be formed each man, each person, according to the family they belonged to. The families were arranged according to households, so there'd be multiple fathers that would come from a common father, each one would have a family, that household would be assembled and then the, those households would be arranged under a clan because the clans are multiple households and then the clans would be arranged according to the tribes. So tribes were comprised of clans, households, families. Every person belonged in a family which belonged in a household, which belonged in a clan, which belonged in a tribe. Okay? So that was the first order of their arrangement, arranged by their families. And then there were divisions between the tribes and there were divisions of three tribes each, so for a total of twelve tribes. So all the tribes in their arrangements would be grouped together. The first group was positioned to the east and the first group of three with the furthest east was Judah, Issachar and Zebulun. And in fact, when they were numbered, and this is of course in the book of Numbers, when they were numbers, when they were numbered, they were numbered together. So it was said that those who followed Judah, which would be inclusive of Issachar, Zebulun, Judah, Issachar and Zebulun, that their fighting men equaled a certain number. So those three moved together as a unit, but they moved under Judah, furthest to the east. Similar arrangement was made to the south and they were grouped together under Reuben and that grouping was Simeon and Gad grouped with Reuben, same arrangement, they were numbered together. Then Ephraim, Ephraim, not, Moses, not uh, Joseph, Ephraim was, was focused on the west and with Ephraim were Manasseh, his brother, and Benjamin. You'll recall 
that Ephraim and Manasseh were the two sons of Joseph and Ephraim himself was the one whom Jacob the father, upon whom he placed his right hand of blessing even though he was the second of the two sons. And it offended Jacob, but uh, it offended Joseph rather, but jo- Joseph said to Jacob, I've done, basically I've done what I've done, this is the order. So Ephraim is the true representative of Joseph, he receives the birthright that Abraham prophes- that uh, J- Jacob prophesied in Genesis 49 over uh, uh, Ephraim receives that birthright that, that, uh, that Jacob prophesied over Joseph. And finally, there is Dan, who is in the north, who is grouped with Asher and Naphtali, and the same arrangement. Now, here is the interesting thing. The banner of Judah, whose name means he shall be praised, was the standard, the standard of Judah was the standard of a lion. Reuben, which means it was from Rah Ben, which means to see a son, and he was the firstborn that his standard was the standard of a man. Now you've been studying the four living creatures with me, what are we missing? We're missing the ox and the eagle. All of Israel is being arranged to move out of captivity in the form and under the standard of the four living creatures. You can't make this up because then of course Reuben is uh, the the face of the man, Uh, Ephraim, he's the double portion, the double fruit and his is the standard of the ox, he represents the tribe of Joseph, the persistent one. And then Dan, the final one, he, he, he is positioned in the north, and he is the judge, his name is that of a judge, and he has the standard of the eagle. God arranges Israel to depart from the captivity of Egypt under the standard that depicts the four living creatures. Israel is a type and shadow, that's what I'm saying. The number of those who are sealed is 144,000 of each of these 12 tribes, that's a symbol, it refers to Israel as a symbol of the four living creatures who constitute this great multitude, too, too many to be numbered. So when we go back to the final reading then, this is what it says, Then one of the elders answered and saying to me, asking him a question, who are those who are arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones 
who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They were waiting for the full number of their brethren to come in and when they were finally all brought in and numbered, they stood, they were before the throne of God and they serve Him day and night in His temple and He who sits on the throne will dwell among them and they shall not hunger or any of that anymore for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the fountains of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The 144,000 are a representative number just like Ephraim was the representation of Joseph. There was not a tribe of Joseph that was led out of Egypt but Joseph, the double portion, the one given the, the greater fruiting was represented in, the, in antiquity by Ephraim. When he's presented again, he's presented as himself, which is one of the twelve sons who actually has his own inheritance. So it's the reality versus the type and shadow, the reality versus the representation. So. The 12,000 times 12,000, that's the kingdom of God because it's a reference to its government, the government of the kingdom of heaven. And them being brought out and honored in this way, they are that the 12 times 12 times 1,000 is exactly what is represented by this multitude that cannot be numbered of every tribe, tongue, language, and nation and God seals them ahead of the beginnings of the pouring out of the wrath of God upon the whole earth. Now, the message here is, if you are among those who are born of the Spirit, you're sealed with the name of the Father on your forehead, and you have nothing to worry about in the times that are coming. In fact, this is the time that separates you, this is the time in which you are honored in the whole earth and in heaven itself. We'll continue these studies in the book of Revelation. I'm amazed at how God is pushing back the darkness and the obscurity and bringing forth to us in this season the hope, the hope that has been reserved from time immemorial for the sons of God. May all grace abound to you. I'm Sam Solon, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.